The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program with Saskatchewan and Manitoba farmers in the midst of seeding, you might think that trade in grain, oilseed and pulse crops has tailed off. But not so, according to Alan Johnston of Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wellwyn. We'll hear from him. Dr. Chris Clark is a longtime veterinarian at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon. He's treated many cattle since the mid-1990s, and he has noticed two significant positive trends over the 25-year period. He will tell you what those trends are. As expected, U.S. cattle numbers are continuing to decline. We'll hear from U.S. Department of Agriculture livestock analyst Justin Cho about that. It's being called a perfect storm. Seeding continues across the prairies and the demand for fertilizer is high. But getting that fertilizer to producers has been an issue. We'll hear from John Bickner, who is the owner and operator of Bickner Trucking, and he talks about the issues that he's dealing with. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. With Saskatchewan and Manitoba farmers in the midst of spring seeding, you might think that trade in grain, oilseed, and pulse crops has tailed off. But not so, according to Alan Johnston of Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wellwyn. Well, you know, it's a little bit quieter, but it's funny how that works. Uh, some days it'll be really busy and you don't expect it, and the next day you think, well, there's going to be something happen today, and it gets really dead. So it's just the same old thing happens every year. But a lot of guys have got their seed in the ground or damn close to finishing right now, and lots still, you know, really going at it. But southwest and southern Alberta, I'm sure a lot of that is pretty well all put in the ground and they're waiting for rain now. And I was just talking to one of our guys in Calgary, and he said it rained out there quite, quite a few places in Calgary all weekend. In the Alberta area. So that's good. They were really dry. They needed it. He talks about what he's been moving in recent days. Well, we've been buying quite a few yellow peas, believe it or not. We're not buying them as edible because then you have to you get a split price and you get a deduction for uh, shrink fees. But I've bought a lot of yellow peas. If you watch our Johnson's Daily Report, we've been getting that ten fifty and lots of times $11 picked up, including splits and no shrink price so and prompt movement. So we've still got that bid in that range somewhere, ten fifty to eleven, subject to freight. And green peas are a little stronger; they're thirteen to fourteen, fourteen delivered. You know, and just it depends on you where you are again. Uh, just lots of interest in all the peas right now. And it's not on fire, but it's certainly not a soft price neither. There's there's interest, and we can get it moved. You're done seeding, you want to get some money, and want to get some stuff moved before harvest. Give us a call on that. Canary seed is of interest too. It's in that 36 to 38, I'd say. You know, just again depends on where it's sitting. 
Um, I'm just looking at a sheet here right now that I just got in. He's 37 cents delivered plant, but somewhere that or more picked up. Um, where do we go from here? Um, in the polls cut all lentils. Well, you know, uh, still strong interest in large green lentils and Aston lentils. We had an inquiry last week for a few loads and, uh, red lentils is ongoing. It has been all winter. So, and if I put a price on it, I could be off by two cents right now. So just give us a call. We'll work on it and get back to you what will work in your immediate area. Even in French green lentils, we have homes for that. Flocks right now, we've got bids uh, 14 14 50 always subject to freight. Everybody have got one buyer, of course, at 15 delivered. So, again, we need to work on the freight, your location, your volume, and when you want to move it. It's all subject to the price that you can get in your pocket. But uh, there is interest, and finally we can move it. It was pretty quiet on frocks for a long time. But um, oats are, you know, there's some interest in oats, but they're, you know, they're still not high priced like a year ago. But that that three and a quarter to four dollar range is is uh, doable again, subject to freight. Uh, looking for feed wheat always, feed barley, feed barley along this border here in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, would be in that seven fifty, seven seventy five range, and all again freight. As you get further west into Regina and going west from there, the price in barley will go up. Constant demand for it, and we've had quite a bit of demand for corn as well. If you're still sitting on some corn or if you're going to grow some new crop corn, we can probably get that price for you. New crop is pretty well available on everything right now. I had an inquiry on the weekend from a guy looking for mustard too, by the way, yellow mustard. You'll go up to $0.85 cents a pound for no more than yellow mustard, which is a good bid. So if you have some still in the bin and you want to move it now that you're done seeding, give us a call on that too. Brown, oriental, yellow, we just get at it and work on it. Johnston says they've been able to keep up with demand on a wide variety of products. Oh, yes, always. And uh, it, we, we have, you know, a lot of people don't know. When you have heated canola, some of the elevators tell guys, you know, there's nothing you can do with it. Well, you go here, we can, like, 30, 40, 100% heated canola. Just give us a call. We can move it, get it picked up, and prices that you wouldn't believe sometimes for it. Uh, so, you know, heated grain, uh, heated canola, or anything like that, anything, any junk grain, we have what I call junk buyers that will move that kind of stuff and really help you out of a predicament if you've got something you don't want to do with yourself or can't find a home for. So all of, all of that's available through Johnson's, and we still have ongoing chemical prices delivered to the farm. We've just sold a lot of chemical this year. And like I said, delivered to the farm, free totes, free delivery, and we've got many different kinds. We have two agronomists that can work on that and answer your questions as well. And we stumbled on to last year onto a really powerful little gopher bait that we've just sold semi-loads of. I think it's our eighth semi-load we're working on right now. And that's delivered all over Saskatchewan, uh, depending on the volume you take. But uh, it's worked really well. I've, I follow back up, up on it to see how well it's working, and I'm getting nothing but really good reports. And he adds they provide another free service to farmers. Yeah, Doug, I'd like to also mention, like, our Johnson's Daily Report, it goes out via email every evening, Monday through Thursday, and then the Friday one usually comes out sometimes Saturday, Sunday, and it goes right to, your, right to your computer or your phone, and it's called the Johnson's Daily Report. It shows all our bids, and bids are very generic, I always tell people, And but the most important about our daily, we show every trade we make. We don't list the name of the buyer or the seller, but we show the trade, the location, the price, so it's incredible, plus all our chemical prices and the latest thing we have happening in, in the ag market, and I always say we never try never to give any advice because I just I don't think I've in 50, 50 years I don't think I've learned enough to give advice. So, but a lot of this stuff is on the uh, 
on the Daily Report, and it's free. Just call our 800 number, and we'll get you on and uh, tell your neighbors about it as well. It's a very valuable, valuable tool for you. That's Alan Johnston from Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wellwood. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Co-op Hail Insurance. Beef and Forage Report. For the week ending Saturday, Western Canadian feeder cattle markets were relatively unchanged from seven days earlier. The finishing feedlot operator appears to be dominating the feeder market across all weight categories. Ontario interest was creeping all the way into Alberta, especially for limousine-type genetics. There were limited numbers on offer in Manitoba and Saskatchewan this past week. This caused U.S. buyers to stretch arms into Alberta's main markets. In most cases, the buyer shopping for grass cattle cannot compete with the finishing feedlot operator and simply backs away at the higher levels. The discount for fleshier-type yearlings has narrowed due to the tighter supply situation. October feeder cattle futures continue to trade at a $32 premium to the nearby May contract. This has encouraged feedlot operators to secure ownership sooner rather than later. And that's the Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. X94, Ag Review. Canada's farmers are getting older, and most don't have a clear succession plan, leaving a big question over who will take over the agriculture sector as a wave of retirements loom. But industry insiders say an increased focus on technology and sustainability is helping attract younger generations to agriculture, including those coming to the field for the first time. Young people entering farming from other industries will be key to the sector's evolution as it grapples with challenges like climate change. The demographics of farm operators show an industry in clear need of rejuvenation, even as the barriers to entry can be daunting. The average age of a Canadian farm operator was 56 in 2021, according to Statistics Canada, and the median age 58, with both those figures rising from the previous census. Canada and India's trade representatives will include agriculture in their discussions when they meet later this year. At the end of the 6th Canada-India Ministerial Dialogue on Trade and Investment, Canadian Trade Minister Mary Ng and Indian Commerce Minister Payush Goyal committed to discussing agriculture in October when Minister Ng leads a trade mission to India. The ministers agreed to forging partnerships to take advantage of the complementarities in such sectors as agricultural goods, chemicals, green technologies, infrastructure, automotive, clean energy, electronics and minerals and metals. Canada and India currently do not have a bilateral trade agreement. Since 2022, India and Canada have been negotiating an early progress trade agreement. India was Canada's 18th largest market for agri-food and seafood products in 2021. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 99% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 41, an improvement from the previous week's 96% order fulfillment performance 
and matching the single best week of performance achieved this year that was set in week 38. On a combined basis, CN and CPKC have now supplied 94% or more of cars ordered in each of the last five weeks. The improvement reflects improved performance for both CN and CPKC. In supplying 98% of hopper cars ordered on time in week 41, CN's performance improved slightly from the 97% posted in week 40 and remained above the 90% performance threshold for the fifth straight week and ninth time in the last 10 weeks. CPKC order of fulfillment performance improved once again with the railway supplying 100% of cars ordered up from the 95% order of fulfillment performance seen the week before. This marks the best week of performance seen from the railway this grain year. CPKC also remains above the 90% threshold for the fifth straight week and eighth time in the last nine weeks. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced an atypical case of BSE in an older beef cow at a slaughter plant in South Carolina. The USDA says the animal never entered slaughter channels and the agency did not expect any trade impacts as a result. It was the seventh detection of BSE in the U.S. since 2003 and all but one have been atypical. The USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service says this finding of an atypical case will not change the negligible risk status of the United States and should not lead to any trade issues. Ford's CEO says the automaker is reversing a decision to not install AM radios in new vehicles. Jim Farley says the decision comes after U.S. government policy leaders voiced concerns about keeping emergency alerts that are often sounded on AM stations. Farley wrote that Ford will keep AM radios in all 2024 Ford and Lincoln vehicles and it will use an online software update to restore it in two 2023 electric vehicles. Last week, a bipartisan group of U.S. federal politicians introduced a bill calling on the government to require AM radios and new vehicles at no additional cost. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after these messages. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's a mix of smoke and cloud and 18 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Dr. Chris Clark is a longtime veterinarian at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon. He's an associate professor in the Department of Large Animal Clinical Sciences. Dr. Clark has treated many cattle since the mid-1990s and he has noticed two significant positive trends over the 25-year period. We were talked about this at work the other day, and when I think back, it really is quite dramatic. When I first started here in 96, you would have calving season basically started on Christmas Day. We could almost guarantee we would do our first C-section on Christmas Day. 
And then we'd probably end up doing just in the clinic here at the vet school, somewhere in the region of about 150, 200 C-sections a year. And then following very shortly on behind the C-sections was calf scour season. And we would typically see somewhere in the region of about 180 calves come through the clinic here for treatment for very severe calf scours. And the funny thing is, in those 27 years that I've been here, both of those things have essentially vanished. I mean, we obviously do the occasional C-section, but nothing like what we used to. And uh, we rarely see scouring calves. He provides his thoughts on why there's been such a positive change. Well, I, I mean, and it is truly positive. Sometimes as veterinarians, we sort of bemoan the old days and we used to do these things we like to do. But I think it's incredibly positive for the cattle herd. And I think it speaks to the partnership between veterinarians and the agricultural sector, driving research and asking questions and then implementing new research. So, for example, with the, uh, the C-sections, it really was... I think, choosing the wrong bulls. Uh, We used to see a lot of oversized calves that could not be born naturally. And by understanding the importance of picking the right bull, those C-sections have disappeared. And, And the thing about that is not only is there that financial cost to the producer to have the C-section performed, but there's a risk to the cow. You know, a number of those cows will end up being shipped that year because they may not get pregnant again. And those calves that have been through a rough calving often don't get enough colostrum, don't get a good start in life. So by choosing the right bull, getting rid of the C-sections, we've got healthier cows and healthier calves. Dr. Chris Clark is an associate professor in the Department of Large Animal Clinical Sciences at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 164.27 today. That's down 77. August live cattle closed at 162.57, down 102. August feeder cattle closed at 233.47, down 142. September feeder cattle closed at 236.75, down 110. June lean hogs closed at 80.67, down 115. July lean hogs closed at 80.97, down 117. And that's the livestock market conditions. As expected, U.S. cattle numbers are continuing to decline. U.S. Department of Agriculture livestock analyst Justin Cho examines some key numbers in the April cattle on feed report released last Friday. 4% fewer cattle were placed on U.S. feedlots uh, with a capacity of 1,000 head or more than the same month in 2022. Feedlots marketed 10% fewer cattle during April, but mostly in part uh, a function of one less slaughter day during the month. Uh, When adjusted for the difference in slaughter days, marketings were about 6% fewer than a year ago. And last, the number of cattle on feed on May 1st was estimated at 11.6 million head, which is about 3% below the previous year. Cho says it will take a year or two for cattle numbers to rebound. 
even as beef prices continue to rise and feed prices are beginning to ease. Even though prices are high and with projected lower feed prices, which increase the economic incentive for producers to turn to ship around, um, the biological lag in cattle will probably delay any note of turnaround until next year. That's Justin Cho, a livestock analyst with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after these messages. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. It's been called a perfect storm. Seeding continues across the prairies and the demand for fertilizer is high, but getting that fertilizer to producers has been an issue. John Bickner is owner and operator of Bickner Trucking, based in Vanguard in southwestern Saskatchewan, running a fleet of 50 to 60 trucks servicing an area from North Dakota to the Peace River region in Alberta. He says there are several factors at play. There's several factors going on right now. Mother Nature is one of them. You know, North Dakota and southeast uh, Saskatchewan, southern Manitoba have been extremely wet when they should be wrapping up. Um, you know, Peace River Block is ahead of them. So as a result, you have all the areas seeding at the same time. There's no northern migration to the seeding. So everybody's seeding at the same time which puts pressure on the plants, supplies, and, of course, the shipping industry. Bickner says another angle is fertilizer facilities being short-staffed. COVID did thin out the pot. There seems to be, you can still find them, but the, the good drivers are, are thinning out. And the good drivers, we have lots of 25, 30-year experienced guys here, which is great, but there's going to be a time when it's not refilling. Bickner says he doesn't have a shortage of drivers, but others say many smaller trucking firms have either shut down or downsized in recent years. Another factor, he says, is the 2021 drought. When there wasn't much grain to move, truckers sought other commodities or just exited the business. Then there's the mandatory use of e-logs by truckers. Bickner says e-log starts when the truck starts, so flexibility and discretion as to how many hours a trucker can work are gone. He says it's difficult to quantify the impact of e-logs, but estimates it has cut capacity by 10 to 15 percent. Meanwhile, Ottawa and Saskatchewan have announced joint funding to three organizations that they say will help build resiliency and public trust in agriculture. More than $4.1 million is allocated to Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan, Agriculture in the Classroom Saskatchewan, and 4-H Saskatchewan over five years. Provincial Agriculture Minister David Merritt says it's important to support these organizations as they educate the public about how their food is produced while developing the next generation of agriculture leaders. Farm and Food Care really talks about the food that we value add here, but also what we grow here as well, and, and get it out to consumers on, on that aspect of it. But when you look at ag in the classroom, that's really focusing on, uh, you know, the younger grades and, 
getting the uh, younger folks just to know, you know, where their food is growing, how it's growing, and things like that. But the 4-H uh, one to me is very, they're all very dear to me, but that one is really building future leaders. And I've had the pleasure of going to their AGMs and listen to these young uh, young people either doing public speaking or doing arts or showing uh, livestock, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's incredible to see this kind of energy in the ag sector here in the province of Saskatchewan. And we as a government just try and help support and build on that so that we can see that agriculture is going to grow here in the future and that we have uh, bright young minds that really want to be engaged in it. He believes the funding ensures that the future of agriculture is in good hands. Yeah, it does. And, and I think that's really, you know, the focus that we try to do as, as government. You, you know, you just uh, put it in the hands of the people that are really engaged in it. And there's a group here that also have to be really recognized, whether it's Ag in the Classroom or 4-H or even or Farm and Food Care, is the volunteers that do it. Whether it's parents that get their kids engaged in 4-H and committed to it, or whether it's teachers that, uh, you know, that talk about Ag in the Classroom and support it that way as well. And even the volunteers at the Farm and Food Care that really, really know the value and really want to bring out public awareness on, on agriculture and how food is grown here. But the big thing is building this public trust on uh, the food we grow here, the high quality valued food. Not only that side of it, but how we grow it as well. And that's a story in itself that we really have to get out there, not only to the people of Saskatchewan, not only to the people of Canada, but to people around the world. Merritt describes how the funding will be allocated to each organization. Farm and Food Care, uh, they're going to receive about $175,000 a year over the next five years. Um, Ag in, in the Classroom, Saskatchewan, is going to receive about $325,000 over the next five years. And 4-H is going to receive uh, $325,000 per year over the next five years as well. So obviously these funds are just to help promote their organizations, but also uh, whether it's community events or putting on events or things like that, where Ag in the Classroom is working with the classrooms, whether it's uh, working with tours or how they may uh, utilize those dollars. We have a very strong uh, management committee at Ag in the Classroom, but those folks over there that really utilize the dollars the best way that they can, and, and we just want to see that. Farm and food care is the same way. They'll put on promotional events and things like that that really go to try and get to the public uh, awareness on that side of it. And as similar to 4-H, and you'll see 4-H shows all over the province, and, and some of this funding helps to go to support that. And he had these final comments. Once again, I just want to really uh, thank a lot of volunteers that are engaged in it. As I said earlier, whether they're teachers or parents or just uh, people that are really engaged with agriculture and really want to promote it and build that public trust, because without them, none of these programs would succeed. And of course, the funding for these programs comes from the Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading mixed in the nearby months this hour. July canola trading at $701 per metric ton. That's up $3.60. November canola trading at 665.80 down $3.60. July Minneapolis wheat has closed at 8.20 and 3 quarters, up 11 and a quarter cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at 8.41 and a half, up 15 and 3 quarters of a cent. July Chicago wheat 
closed at 622 and a quarter, up 16 cents. July corn closed at 577 and a half, up six and a half cents. July soybeans closed at 1322 and a half, down 18 and three quarters of a cent. July oats closed at 321 and a half, up seven cents. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. New outbreaks of African swine fever are being reported in Southeast Asia and Eastern Europe. Dr. Paul Sundberg is the executive director of the Swine Health Information Center. He says ASF has spread to another Indonesian island as well as into Greece. There's another outbreak that's been identified in Greece. This is in a commercial farm in Greece versus the small production system that was infected in 2020. The assumption is that this is a spillover from wild boar that border next to Greece and that that continues to move down into Greece from Eastern Europe. Hungary has made good progress in limiting the spread of ASF in that European nation, but Dr. Sunberg says there's been issues with illegal shipments of pork into the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom has identified a variety of different fresh and frozen pork products coming into the UK retail marketplaces from countries that are endemic with ASF that uh, should not be allowed to export those products into the UK. And the UK recognize that, they found it, and they're trying to address it. But it's an example of risk. Those types of products, whether legal or illegal, are always high risk because if those products get contact with pigs, there's a risk of the transmission of that virus and ASF getting established in otherwise free areas. Dr. Sundberg says there are some promising developments in research for a safe and effective African swine fever vaccine. And that means a vaccine that's been shown to be safe in pigs, and it also is shown to be effective in that it stops an outbreak. That's a response mechanism. And I think that a vaccine being used in response to an outbreak holds a lot of promise. If we can tamp down an outbreak, and keep it from moving, we have the opportunity to remove it, to eliminate it from the area. At least we have the opportunity to do that. Um, And that's in response to an outbreak. Dr. Sundberg says a vaccine to prevent the development of ASF is still a long way down the road. The use of vaccine at this point, at least, in areas of the world, including North America, where there is no ASF at this time, is probably not in our near future at all. We don't have the types of vaccine that we could use that would be differentiable from the immunity that would result from an ASF infection. We can't tell the difference of the antibodies between an ASF infection and a vaccine. So therefore, if a pig is seropositive in areas where they would otherwise be negative, but the vaccine has been used, then there could be confusion about whether or not that's an actual infection that we're not seeing or it's the use of the vaccine. Dr. Paul Sundberg is the executive director of the Swine Health Information Center. 
It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers and areas of smoke possible. Winds east at 25, gusting to 40, a high of 19 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy. Winds east-southeast at 15 to 30 and a low of 7. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds southeast at 20 to 35, a high of 21 with an overnight low of 14. For Thursday, mainly cloudy. Winds south at 15 to 30, a high of 27. For Friday, a 60% chance of early showers, a high of 24. And Saturday, partly sunny, a high of 21. In the Paw, it's 11 degrees, Swan River 7, Dauphin 13, Brandon 21, Show Lake Russell 20, Roblin 14. Regina is at 23 degrees, Saskatoon 18, Hudson Bay 5, Broadview Mooseman 21, Indian Head 19, Winyard Wadena Kelvington 12. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mix of smoke and cloud, an east wind at 30 gusting to 39 kilometers an hour. 50% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 18 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again at 12.15 Saskatchewan time tomorrow for another edition of the program. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles.